from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, September 7th, 2012. It's a relevant podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, my better half, eating an apple, Maya Strang. What up, yo? To her left, Calvin Kearley. Unique New York. <laughs> Unique New York. Calvin's continuing his pre-podcast vocal warm-ups. La, 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 Usually la, la, la. he gets in the studio about three hours ahead of time to do this. He's gargling salt water. Um, <laughs> usually you do this beforehand. Oh, Why okay. are you doing it on the actual show? Well, okay. Now, now let, I know. Let, little peek, behind the scenes right there. behind the curtain right there. Yeah. The, the, the cords they were just love not loose today. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, <laughs> back from vacation, Jesse Carey. How now, brown cow? <laughs> How cow now? And over okay. there on, right. on the ones right. and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snape. Hello, friends. I feel like Chad should go. Was he wiping a glass pane? No, that <laughs> was that was He's windexing the, the windows. The yeah, he's yeah. windexing the windows and a bird flew into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know they're clean. <laughs> you uh, you didn't mention anything about um, Calvin's face. His today. face? Because it looks normal again. Yeah. Except for the stupid hat that's on top of it. <laughs> on top well, of it's, it. it's a Boston Red Sox hat. <laughs> yeah. Are they doing good this year? No. No? It's, it's a really bad year. A- epic meltdown. Really? A, a meltdown of epic purport. Is it because yeah. of that coach they got? I don't think Valentine's helping much. Uh, I don't think trading people... away all of their superstars helps very much either. Right. Why did they do that? Salary reasons, right? Yeah. Don't they have they got, all the money in the world? Yeah, though? Boston can't afford to pay some or is that salaries. New York? They just make bad decisions. They got rid of Epstein. They got <laughs> rid of. Uh, I mean, I guess at some point, if you know you're not going to win, you might as well just cut all right, some that's, salaries. That's, that's enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they 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 traded away an ace pitcher and one of the best hitters in baseball to the Dodgers. So how are the Dodgers doing? I like the Dodgers. They're good. It's the there only you know. any yeah. only professional baseball game I've been to, so that's my team. Yeah, I have a Dodger oh, nice. shirt in my, yeah, I have a in my closet. Hat. Big Oral Hershiser fan from back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had an Oral Hershiser baseball glove. It was probably the most uncool player you could have. <laughs> I like for a, well, who has a pitcher's baseball glove? <laughs> yeah, for for one, I wasn't. <laughs> it should be noted, I wasn't a pitcher and never pitched. <laughs> You're Two, like, even if I was, Oral Hershiser is probably the nerdiest pitcher <laughs> that you could choose of all time. And, Yet I did. I still have the baseball glove. I had AC green basketball shoes. No, were they pure? Yeah, <laughs> they're pure. White. Remember, remember the Xavier McDaniel basketball shoes? Xavier McDaniel's. He didn't have shoes. He had his own brand. They only showed it, sold it at like TJ Maxx. But <laughs> they're like fifteen dollars. It was like Starberries before they were Starberries. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Xavier McDaniel shoes just Appar- to prove it. Apparently, in '88 or something, Patrick Ewing came out with his own shoe, and uh, like he dropped Nike and he did his own shoe, and they sold 120 million dollars worth of shoes. What? And then he stopped because uh, Nike just you know became the Jordan shoes you know dominated everything. And apparently last week he uh, now he's not in coaching because he got let go by the Magic. Mm. He's he's resurrecting the Ewing shoe line to TJ Maxx. That's so sad. Yeah. I like to TJ so Max. Patrick Ewing is getting back into shoeing. Stop it. <laughs> Just Patrick shoeing. Patrick shoeing. Well, despite the sp- uh, the start, we have a great podcast for you today. 
Uh, coming up later, we talk to controversial author Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren's coming up. He's always good. He's always good on the podcast. He is. We also take you behind the scenes of our new issue. Uh, just came out uh, featuring politics on the cover, Lecrae's in it, and some other stuff. We get the editors in here and take you behind the scenes on that. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, September 11th. We've got a bunch of stuff. Dave Matthews Band is coming yes. uh, away from the world. Coming out with Away Whoa, from the World. what they say. That's, is that him? It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Hoobastank is back oh. with Fight or Flight. Uh, I'd say Flight. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Also, still making music. Didn't even know he's alive still. Bob Dylan coming out with uh, yeah, Tempest. What? He's got to be pushing 90. I hear good things yeah. about this album. Has there been anything good with any Bob Dylan album? Oh, yes. come on. Well, yeah. Be, He's, no. He needs to spit the rocks out of his mouth Didn't and sing. Didn't we do a book on Did, Bob Dylan? Yeah. I was going to say, the man is is is, a, is an American okay. musical He's legend. He's not on the cover of the magazine. I, I know he's a legend. I just don't like any of his music. Times they are changing. Never got into this is, is busy. Bob Dylan, folks. Well, that's early Bob Dylan. Yeah, it was really. Yeah. I think his newer <laughs> stuff is a bit like more, uh, I'm going to take, going to take you to the store. It's pretty, it's pretty good. good. I don't know. It's probably, I mean, that's he not he probably talks about like less political things and more just like his chores on a Sunday. You know, like, <laughs> gonna stop in the Target, <laughs> pick up some napkins. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> good no, the th- the thing that's great about Bob Dylan is he's never cared good and he get- still doesn't. <laughs> like he'll turn out an album where he, where he sings like that the entire time and just not care. <laughs> and everybody yeah. calls it great Genius. because it's Bob Dylan. And I, yeah. I, I call shenanigans. No, see, I, that's where I think we disagree because I think popular music needs more of that. Like, no, I'm going to put out an album, whatever I want it to sound like, it's going to sound like, and I could care less. Yeah, it's called the I'm new Bob Dylan. It's called the new Hoobastank album. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of what U2 does. I mean, U2 kind of keeps reinventing themselves and taking off their fans of their last few albums, and yeah, and they're like, uh, we don't care. You know, I guess when you're what's Bono, the richest musician in the world now, is he? Yeah, because he bought stock in Facebook. Really, one point five billion. Whereas just his, his company, Bodstock yeah. and in MySpace. MySpace just sold for four and a half grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought they, it. They uh, actually just yeah. traded a, a, an old Plymouth Voyager van for it. <laughs> it had like one hundred and thirty-five thousand miles, <laughs> uh, just straight up for MySpace with the wood paneling on the side. They they went up to Tom and said, "Listen, I got this Voyager. It's in decent shape in the interior." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we spilled a frosty, but that other side from that, just for MySpace, straight up. So clearly, you're saying Justin Timberlake is the one who traded the van because he's now, you know, yeah, one of the owners. Yeah. yeah, he figured this is the best deal. He's the, he's the one who spilled the the frosty in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he but he made the trade and immediately spilled the frosty, <laughs> nearly voiding the deal. But Calexico is coming out with Algiers. David Byrne and St. Vincent coming out with Love This Giant. Does that mean David Byrne is a giant? St. Vincent saying, I love this I, giant? I love this or is giant. David Byrne saying that St. Vincent yeah. is a giant? He might be talking about his shoulder pads from the 80s. You mm. know, I love them. He calls them the giant. Could be. <laughs> or I'm just thinking about shoulder pads from the 80s and how awesome they were. Yeah. <laughs> they were. But like the shoulder pads of like a Steve Harvey suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a silhouette. You, you, Anyone can look like Frankenstein in one of those suits. I wonder what the, why, why we did that. 
I mean, it, it made everyone look like uh, a V. Are you saying we or Steve Harvey? <laughs> no, yes. We as in humanity? Yeah, we as in the American people. You know, a few people pulled it off. I think Paula Poundstone. Paula Poundstone. She did a good job. Yeah. yeah. Um, Millie Vanilli, right? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Brown. He pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's only a matter of time before they make an ironic comeback. Shoulder oh, yeah. pads. No, no question. No question. Well, like you're walking around like Brooklyn, and, and dudes are wearing blazers with with really ferocious shoulder pads. Ferocious, ferocious shoulder pads. That's a, that's a band name right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Helio sequence is coming out with negotiations. Paper route is coming out with the piece of wild things. The XX featured it in the new issue of Relevant, coming out with coexist. And our pick of the week, also featured in Relevant, the Avet Brothers with the Carpenter. If you haven't read that cover story on the Avet Brothers, you need to. Um, you can, on our website, actually get access uh, to it. Uh, actually, all the magazine content, uh, whether you're a subscriber or not, you can get access to it. If you're not a subscriber, you can just... Right there, you'll see uh, when you're trying to read it, it'll just tell you to register, create an account, free account. You get five free article views, and you can use one of them on the Avet Brothers. Yeah, it's it'd be, really it'd be worth it. Yeah. Great album. <coughs> Check it out. Movie's coming out on Friday, September 14th. The Master. Uh, that's the uh, the Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams one. Scored it's by, about yeah. sci- loosely about L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, yeah. right? It looks pretty awesome. Scored by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. Really? Yeah. Yep. Another yeah, another phenomenal. Bob Dylan esque. <laughs> Don't give me started. shenanigans. Stuck in traffic. Your noises are do not beget genius. Yeah, you don't like clanking sounds and like a droning violin. Guys, I'm going to stop. Re- I'm going to stop recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> can John? Can we have like a sound like a like a PT Anderson soundtrack? Just have Johnny Greenwood like score the podcast to make it sound really ominous. I just like imagine the the recording process. Hey Johnny, uh, your guitars are in tune. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I I'm, I think uh, if there's an Don't all it in tune. all overrated genius team, Dylan's Dylan's your point guard. <laughs> Ra- Radioheads, Radioheads, and your I would agree five. with Radiohead. Radioheads up there. I know that's that's heresy to music fans, but I don't care. Who, who else? Who else makes the all overrated genius squad? Chad's not even participating at this yeah, point. Yeah. Chad's so offended right now. <laughs> yeah, I hate all of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> like not not like they're bad and they shouldn't be popular. I'm talking about the the ones that people say are genius. Yeah, but but you're saying at times let's call a spade a spade here. That just doesn't sound very. Good. Yeah, just because the person was maybe at one point groundbreaking doesn't mean okay. that for the rest of their career they're. Genius. I got I got another one, and this is gonna again. This is probably gonna offend some people, but. I think some Sufian Stevens. Oh, and a lot of people on his label on Asthmatic like, Kitty. I got. I think they're. I think they're creative, but I think some of it, like uh, Age of Ads or whatever, some of that is barely listenable. I'm sorry. It's odds, by the way. Age of odds. Oh, see, you obviously didn't get it. <laughs> it's over your head. Yeah, way over my head. I can't even get the album title. So. <laughs> much, much less the weird electronic tinkering that with 15 minute songs. Sorry. Wow, we are stepping on some See, holy I, ground. I, I used to I'm not think saying he's not good, and I'm not saying he's not he's not no. potentially a musical genius. Yeah, I'm not. All I'm saying is, 
I don't see that as that appealing to listen to. Well, I, sure. So you've got your Sufjan. I've got my Radiohead. Chad would not agree with either of those. Uh, I'm throwing Dylan into the mix. Come on. You guys are music guys. Who's your overrated genius people? I'm, I'm thinking about it. There would have been a time I would have said Elliot Smith. but Oh, um, no way. You're wrong. I've, well, Straight up wrong. <laughs> well, now I'm just I'm <laughs> no, much I'm more appreciative offended. of Because he died? No, not because he died. But, but his but stuff since, is just so amazing. Yeah. Um, I think Jeff Buckley would be up there, but it's not mine. Like I appreciate Jeff Buckley. Right but here, Tom Waits. Ooh, yeah. That would offend Adam, That's wouldn't fair. it? Isn't oh, Adam Smith a huge so mad Jeff Buckley? Or, yeah, uh, Tom, Tom Waits, Waits fan. fan. He's would, another one like Dylan, where it's like I just can't listen to you sing. Rolling Stones. Really? <clears throat> That's always been mine. The pop anthems—they get the crowd just, moving. Yeah. You don't you like the, the moves Beatles. like Jagger, but yeah, no, I can't stand the Beatles. See, I think the Bre- Beatles are brilliant. I think I, I don't mind putting them in the genius category, the Beatles, yeah. because they created everything that is modern music. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Right. Okay. But as a latecomer, not hearing them first and then it's hearing they came it. after it, you go back to it. And it's like actually, I feel like music is better now. You know, and it should be. Hopefully it should have. It, yeah. it should evolve. But yeah, their genius is what started it. So I have no problem with the Beatles. But the Rolling Stones is interesting. Yeah. I just, so, uh, as far as iconic classic rock bands, I yeah, just I never see, thought that they were but that see, great. I wouldn't have put them like, in the genius category anyway. I, I, to me, the Rolling Stones are like ACDC and just, it's just party arena rock. Yeah. It, it, which ACDC is a highly underrated band. Are you serious? <laughs> no, I, I'm saying, look, if ACDC came out today, they'd be like the biggest thing in indie rock. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. Because they're a convergence of like that party anthem, you know, uh, rock that's popular but also sort of that stripped down kind of New York rock sound you so, know so I mean there's a four piece just rocking it Andrew WK that's yeah like Andrew yeah like Andrew WK <laughs> or the darkness, the darkness or, yeah you know what I mean like ACDC out rocks those guys yeah anyway uh, Resident Evil is also coming out uh, I'm sorry it's Resident Evil Retribution <laughs> oh good yeah because that's what the Take series 13. needed yeah, yeah I know there's so many of them uh Arbitrage, Arbitrage, which with uh, Richard Gere and Susan Sarandon, two people I think are overrated. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I have it after Richard Gere and Susan Sarandon. Um, and uh, lastly, uh, Ten Years, starring Channing Tatum and Justin Long. So glad he's back. It's been a couple weeks a, since yeah, we talked about been, him. It's been a while. What's yeah. Ten Years about? It's the time in his career since he was a stripper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Magic Mike was ten years uh-huh. ago. Yeah, this so movie fills in the gap of the right. last ten years. Sure, sure. Brings you up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases and music debate. Stay tuned. Up next, <laughs> slices. This week's podcast is sponsored by Tyndale House and The Way Bible. I have questions, lots of questions. The Way, a Bible that creates space for questions, doubts, conversation, and hope. You can preview The Way Bible at theway.is. You're listening to the Two Door Cinema Club. The song is Handshake. If they have a handshake at the uh, two door at the door like a doorman, you have to have a secret handshake to get into the two door cinema club. I wonder what the seating capacity is at this cinema. I think it's fairly small. That's why you have to have a handshake to get in. Like, is, yeah. it a, is it a French door? Does that count as two, or is it two French doors? 
No, that'd be four door. All right. So, but do you, do you do you figure it's a French door system and that's the two doors? No, I think I think there's, there's two a, doors. I think there's a side. door. I think there's two doors. Where uh, are the emergency exits? Well, one of the doors. One of the door. One of the doors. Hi, did you just say help? Me? Yes. <laughs> one of the doors would be the emergency exit. Yeah. It must be. Yeah, I just I don't want to see a movie in there. <laughs> well, it's it's a cinema club. It's not actually a theater. Okay. Yeah. So it's it where you go like to talk about house. cinema, okay. or you dance while a movie's playing in the background. See, I think it's like the Tropicana that like Ricky worked at on the Lucy show. Oh yeah, mm. like a live band. Yeah, Bubbaloo, Bubbaloo, the Bubbaloo Club. Yeah. I think that's a, the two door cinema club. Speaking okay. of shoulder pads, <laughs> <laughs> his suits had some shoulder pads. No, nah, those are those are just his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know about uh, Ricky Ricardo. Massive, massive sh- shoulders. You never saw him not in a blazer. Just yeah. saying. I saw an episode where he was at the beach wearing a bathing suit with the blazer. Yeah. Never explained in the script yeah. either. They were in an overcoat. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Love Drug's new one called Anarchy Fire from their new EP, Sessions. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, I, I have a slice that, that for now is open-ended, and hopefully we can give an update very soon on. Um, uh, a few, I guess it was a, a month or two ago at the U.S. Open, uh, one of the most epic video bombs I, I happened of all time happened on live TV. <laughs> uh, Webb Simpson had just won the U.S. Open, and Bob Costas is doing his very, ser- very serious, very dramatic post-win interview. Bob Costas, new- overrated genius. Mm. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, I think we would all agree on that. Uh, it, 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 because he does that. Bob Costas does at times take sports interviews incredibly serious. He's like Bryant Gumble, you know. You would think they both work for like 2020 and some investigative expose sometimes when they're interviewing athletes that, you know, the outcome of these matches, they're fun to watch, but most of the time are relatively inconsequential. So Bob Cost is doing his very serious interview with Webb Simpson after the U.S. Open win and an individual wearing a toboggan. A British flag toboggan pops into the frame and starts doing bird calls. Does everyone remember this incident? Of course. Clearly, yeah. The, the, the world was introduced to Jungle Bird. Now, Jungle Bird already had a reputation uh, across the pond uh, where he's from for some of his antics where he would interrupt different public events. And he's doing it to spread his message about the warnings of deforestation. Uh, and after he, he was kicked out of the U.S. Open and was interviewed on a few outlets, he vowed, I will strike again. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've been waiting in anticipation since the U.S. Open. Well, uh, this past weekend was the kickoff uh, for college football, and the Notre Dame uh, Navy game was held in Ireland, which happens to be pretty close to where Jungle Bird lives. And you can watch this clip on YouTube. Uh, at one point in the game, they usually don't cut away to someone interrupting the game, but it's so funny they had to. In the end zone, you see a toboggan man grab a football, <laughs> spike it and start doing an Irish jig in the middle of the end zone. He's wearing a shirt that has something about Kentucky Fried Chicken and some sort of association that organization has to deforestation. I'm not sure what the link is. There's a lot of chickens in the rainforest, and they got to clear yes. the woods to get to them. There's only one way to get to them, and that's deforestation. <laughs> yeah. A lot of well, chickens down there in Brazil. That's how you get them extra crispy. Yeah, they just torch it all. Yeah, you, you got, they, they want to get that real cedary flavor. Right. That's the secret recipe. 
Um, but deforestation. He did Irish hold on, hold on. You're saying that you're saying that the secret recipe at KFC, the secret <laughs> ingredient, is deforestation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that they're cooking in that 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 cedary taste. <laughs> I, I, I have no way to to prove that, and I'm probably slandering so the organization that could sue me. But I'm going to say this with 100% assurance. (laughs) (laughs) That if you, that for every bucket of chicken you eat, we're demolishing like four acres of rainforest. Well, because the seasonings, they they have to... They're very flavorful. They burn things to the ground and then just scoop up the ashes and that's the the special seasonings. That's the breading, yeah. And and you, you know the flavor, so do the math. Okay, that's a lot of flavor. <laughs> All right, so so Jungle Bird is protesting this this link between deforestation and KFC, and he's doing the Irish jig in the end zone, spikes the football, and just literally confidently just struts off the field. <laughs> and, and like like yeah, that just happened. I just Irish jigged in the end zone of this massive football game, and they put it on TV. So he was escorted off. I can only assume he had to spend a night in the clink, but but we don't know. Maybe Jungle Bird talked his way out of it. But so here's the follow up to the story because I was already like man this is a great story this will be uh, a fun update slice for the podcast so Brady Purnell uh, on Twitter tweeted this at relevant looks like at jungle bird is back at it hope we get more talk of this on this week's podcast perhaps an interview hashtag jungle bird well who responded to Mr. (laughs) Purnell Jungle Bird himself. <laughs> and he says, hey, Brady, no problem. Drop me a line. So as of now, we don't, we don't know if the interview is going to happen. So I want to preface it by, by saying we, this isn't 100%, but I am down for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this is officially kind of a John Tesh-esque moment now, yeah. where on Twitter, the world's converged. It was an interaction with one of our listeners. Um, so Chad and I had a meeting this morning talking about the you know upcoming plans for the podcast. And he said, so do you want to do Jungle Bird? <laughs> I go, hey, listen, I think it'd be great. I think, yeah, sure. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. So <laughs> I've I, already got a bunch of questions. For I I've said, been, if, Jesse wants, into this, I said so. if Jesse wants to do it, have at it. But I do not want my path to cross with Jungle Bird because yeah. you never know what that's going to do to your life. You know, <laughs> I don't think there's any coming back from that. So, And I don't want there to be. <laughs> I, think, I think my life will be, you know, I'll look back one day as, as an old man and I will put a dividing line in my life. Before and after Jungle Bird. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. So, uh, yeah, Ch- Chad's going to hook it up, dude. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have you maybe next week's show. We'll have an interview with Jesse and Jungle Bird. And I'm, I'm mortified at the thought of this happening. So. Oh, I can't wait. I literally, I was, I, I was sitting, at, I, was, I was making my coffee at my house this morning. And I was, all I was doing was thinking about Jungle Bird question. <laughs> <laughs> And I got a lot of it. I don't want to give any away right now because I want if if the interview does in fact happen, which I'm in Jungle Bird, it's balls in your court. So spike and do an Irish jig. <laughs> if it happens, I'm I'm already prepared. He could call right now and I'd be ready. But we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I say listeners, you know, wait in 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 baited anticipation. It took us a couple weeks to pull up the John Tesh thing, so. I think this. Yeah, will no be- promises. It's next week. We're on Jungle Bird time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He might be deep in the Brazilian forest right yeah. now. Yeah, it took him about a, a two months to resurface after the the U.S. Open thing. So we just don't know. Yeah. Wow. So there you go, Jungle Bird. 
coming up, hopefully. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. And, and a lot of people would probably have ethical reasons not to do this. Like, oh, you know, you, you shouldn't support people who interrupt public events. Like, sports channels will purposely not show them to not support. I don't have those ethical standards. <laughs> I think it's hilarious every time. <laughs> like, he, corrupt, he could interrupt the... the he could go out in, in the middle of, like, the NBA Finals and walk up to next, next to LeBron James and do the Jungle Bird. And I would think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> have we have we ever heard him speak? Uh, no, I mean I've Just heard caca. him do a, a call, caca! and then he yeah. gets tackled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And or or he flies into Maya's uh, squeaky clean window. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so stay tuned, Jungle Bird update in the next week or two. He could he should have gone and done something at the Olympics. Who, Jungle Bird? Yeah. They have high, probably tighter security. Probably would have been yeah. more jail time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask him. Well, I don't want to give away. I don't want to give away, but we will see what his future plans are. Let's just say that. And I may have some suggestions. I don't know. Let's just say (laughs) I want him and his calls to get maximum exposure, and I got some ideas. That's all. We want to take KFC down. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't care. I just want more hilarity on the internet. (laughs) His mission is is deforestation. Mine is hilarious junk on the internet. (laughs) We but we all have our causes. <laughs> all right, what do you have, Maya? Um, when pe- when when hurricanes happen, you know Isaac was going to come and hit us, and of course it didn't. It veered away, and it went up to Mississippi and whatnot. <coughs> there's side, you know, there's side effects with hurricanes. Um, rain, wind, rain, wind, a lot of flooding, depression, depression. I get achy bones every time there's a tropical storm. <laughs> my squadnomad <my laughs> acts up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my Billy Rubin has been killing me. Oh yeah, ever since I got it. I gotta drain my Danny Boyle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, anytime you say drain, it just sounds so gross. My massive blazered shoulders really start aching. <laughs> yeah, they actually grow. They get heavy, right? <laughs> they, they swell. Yeah, they my shoulders swell. swell. My jackets like don't fit unless I go back and get my Ricky Ricardo collection. Yeah, unless I get my shoulders let out more. <laughs> I gotta drain my shoulders. By the way, I like this thing of when Maya tries to do her slice, yeah. we keep interrupting her. I think that's funny. Is that hilarious? Earlier in the podcast, she said, please help me. <laughs> True. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> I know you're out there. Anyway. Um, so Isaac recently hit up in Mississippi, and there's the side effects are flooding, trees down, loss of power. No, you say side effects. Well, this dry is, ma- that is the storm. <laughs> dry, dry mouth. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nausea, depression. <laughs> well... I'm gonna, if I'm, a storm so lasts for more than it, four hours, call your doctor. I have really waxy ears. <laughs> I, I can't think of another word for it's, side, it's a side effect. It's or the, or it's just the effects. The effects of the storm. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Apparently, I could come with that on my own. <laughs> well, one effect from um, Isaac recently hitting Mississippi is that it has killed 15,000 really large semi aquatic. Sewer rats. I saw that swamp rat. Sorry, that looks they kind uh, they kind of look like a beaver. They're actually really like like their size of yeah. They they shoot them, they hunt them. Yes, yeah. yeah you've heard about it's it's like uh, Princess Bride rats. <laughs> right, right. Oh. They're yeah. They're not little rats. They're bigger, but I mean they still look like rats. Well, during this this recent hurricane, a lot of them um, drowned out in the rivers and whatnot. I thought they're semi aquatic. Apparently not not enough. 
Mm-hmm. The se- oh, semi. So 15,000 of them drowned. They're massive, and they're all going up on these beaches. So they've had to hire uh, the U.S. Environmental Services, teams of them to come out. And they've had equipment, but the picture shows people like in suits with masks, and they're like, you got to think there's probably a lot of diseases in these things. Yeah. Well, people have been quitting the job. They're just like, it's too gross and disgusting. But um, they're what they're doing is they are picking them up and along with other animals that were killed in the storm and they're just dumping them into regular landfills, which I think would really stink even more than normal garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my main reason for this is cause it's so gross. I really just love this. It says that what's really hard is moving them because, um, obviously they stink, but they're bloated. And when their people are picking them up, they are um, bursting open. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh my goodness. I imagine you work for the slice. U.S. Environmental, <laughs> in, environmental Service. And you're like, hey, listen, Bill, uh, got a rough gig for you today. <laughs> you got about 15,000 bloated swamp rats. <laughs> now, listen, when you're moving them, along with the horrific odor... Uh, they're probably going to explode on you. <laughs> now, Bill, but, uh, you, you told me, yeah. Bill, that you wanted to work outdoors and, you know, maybe work in the field. Well, I have an opportunity for you. There's one catch. Now, I anticipating massive exploding swamp rats. I have good news and I have bad news. <laughs> get, get out there and stretch your legs a little. Yeah. The bad, the news, bad is. news is there's 15,000 of them. <laughs> and they're all going to explode on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like it's, water balloons with yeah, with it's rat just, innards. It's just so gross. That's really all the reason I want to say talk so, about this. So anyway, bottom line, you might want to wear a pair of old shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Count it as a casual Friday. Yeah. yeah. You got Listen, the dockers. I, I've seen you, know. you wear those old beat up Xavier McDaniels. You got a TJ Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It's a jeans day. So. <laughs> it did say that, that people are getting sick and they're having to buy people new clothes because <laughs> they're bursting on them. People are getting sick and they uh, buy new clothes? Yeah, like, like cause not everybody <laughs> has those article. suits on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, Bill, I know you got written up for those, uh, those pleated khakis, uh, which we try to keep it in dress slacks, but uh, we're going to let it slide. Oh, so uh, you can break them out again for the swamp. Swamp rat days. Swamp rat days. It's a bad it's a bad day at work. Yeah. When you say they're semi aquatic, I just can't I can't get this image out of my head of just giant rats with like wearing snorkels and masks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they could just be like like a foot under the water. <laughs> it's your vision. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Alright, what do you have, Calvin? Well, I also kind of have speaking uh like an update news. Uh, a while back we talked about water-powered jetpacks mm-hmm. and the glory that Daily. thusly ensues. Mm-hmm. Well, a man in Orange County, that'd be California, um, is planning to turn his dreams of a water-powered jetpack uh, into uh, a, tr- a form of travel into reality. Um, Dean- so, so like, uh, it's like transportation, like right. I need to come down, da- I need to go to Florida and I- my means will be a water-powered jetpack. Exactly. This- but, but in the catch, you have to stay over water. Yes, so far. It's just, well, maybe, just on the border of, of the U.S. you can do it. Maybe like those canals on the side of the interstate. So for him to go from California to Florida, he's going to have to go through the Panama Canal. Conceivably, yes. Luckily, or, the, or, the have, Cape, or the Cape of Good Hope. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have that uh, travel itinerary set up just yet. But Dean O'Malley uh, is going to attempt the first ever crossing 
of the channel between Newport Beach and Catalina Island with a water power jetpack strapped to his back. Um, he, uh, he'll be skimming the water at 20 miles an hour. And it'll, it's a 26-mile trek, and it'll be a world record. He's said that uh, in the past he's done a few miles, and he's been up there as long as an hour, but this would be over two hours if the weather's good. And no, it wouldn't. If he's going 20 miles an hour and it's 26 miles, that's an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, apparently he's not good at math. But he's, <laughs> well, that's who you want setting world records. Maybe, for, maybe it's not for, a sustained 26 miles. It depends miles on traffic, too. Maybe he has right. to stop. Though, though I don't know why you would slow down. Traffic? Yeah. Over the water channel? Yeah, you just okay. never know. You <laughs> might run you into some to, semi-aquatic yeah. uh, you swamp to, rats. You have to factor in time for traffic. <laughs> he's doing it on September 29th, which swamp is... Swamp uh, migration season. <laughs> He's gonna do the. He's gonna break the record on September 29th, which is coinciding with the 100 year anniversary of the invention of the water jetpack. Yeah, and it's taken them this long really to do something <laughs> with it. No anniversary with Glenn Martin's historic flight over the water, over that same channel on his biplane, and uh, he's basically talking like he wants to basically show that this can be a legitimate form of travel. And he can't. Uh, in he can't. Uh, he's quoted in this story, and I like this guy as saying, "Pardon the pun." But the sky's the limit. Oh. I think you could be flying to work in a few years. No. Yeah, I mean, if considering you it only costs like four hundred dollars an hour to rent one of worked these, on I think he's rigs. onto something. Yeah. <laughs> so it got me thinking. Here's seven things that could be legitimate forms of transportation. Number seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have a list this time. I what? A, I didn't get a sponsor. <laughs> Listen, listeners. Uh, we are currently seeking sponsors for. Uh, the Calvin list of the week. So I'll see if Jungle Bird's interested when I talk to him. I think that's a great fit. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by Jungle Bird. What would his motto be? Stop deforestation. Stop deforestation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take down KFC. Or just cacalling. Just cacalling. Brought to you by Jungle Bird. Cacaw. Jungle Bird, that'll be $600. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Brian McLaren. Listening to Cat Power. I'm not even gonna go there. Cat Power. The song is Cherokee. It's from a new album, Sun, which is fantastic. Brian McLaren is an author, pastor, and speaker. On September 11th, he'll release his uh, newest book entitled, it's very short, Why Did Jesus, Moses, the Buddha, and Muhammad Cross the Road? Christian Identity in a Multi Faith World. It's been said to be his most important book yet which is saying a lot. Um, in it, McLaren proposes a new faith alternative, one built on, quote, benevolence and solidarity rather than rivalry and hostility. This way of being Christian is strong, but doesn't strong arm anyone and goes beyond mere tolerance to vigorous hospitality toward, interest in, and collaboration with the other. It's sure to start quite a few conversations. Our very own newest member of the team, Stephanie Smith, recently spoke to him. Here is Brian McLaren.
everyone would agree there's certainly a lot of fear and suspicion surrounding the multi-faith conversation going on today. But you seem to see in this scene, imaginary scene of religious leaders getting together something different. Would you mind just talking a little bit about what this meeting of religious leaders might look like to you? Sure. Well, obviously in in the title I'm trying to set up just exactly that kind of of a hypothetical scenario. What if Moses, Jesus, the Buddha, and Muhammad were walking down the street and bumped into each other, uh, what would they do? And um, uh, one thing I think is is for sure they 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 probably wouldn't act the way a lot of Christians, Jews, Muslims, and Buddhists would act toward one another. Uh, you know, I think if we know anything about Moses, for example, you might recall there's a great story in in the uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures about Moses and his father-in-law, whose name was Jethro, who was a priest of another religion, and and Moses took a lot of advice from from his father-in-law Jethro, uh, so he didn't see Jethro as an enemy. In fact, Jethro was his father-in-law and uh, and a trusted counselor, even though he wasn't from the same religious heritage. Um, if you imagine Jesus, well, we have the amazing example of Jesus encountering a Syrophoenician woman. And at first, it looks like he's going to respond the way a typical uh, a person of his age and uh, era and religion would respond. But then he not only changes his his approach, he responds to this woman by by healing her daughter and then commends her for her great faith. Hmm. It's quite a remarkable thing. Uh, you know, a, a lot of my Christian readers won't know that much about Muhammad, but when you read the life of Muhammad, uh, you realize he grew up in a multi-faith context. And even though some of his followers uh, certainly don't follow his example, and even though many Christians have a very jaundiced view of Islam, you realize that Muhammad was very used to uh, to being neighborly and respectful of his Jewish, Christian, and other neighbors. And and uh, the Buddha, uh, what we know about him is that he believed that the practice of of compassion was uh, essential to enlightenment. And so, uh, I it's hard to imagine him being other than compassionate. When you put that picture on the table. It puts a, a challenge on the table for followers of each of these religious leaders to say, are we going to really imitate our followers or are we going to pray, play out the conflicted religious scripts that we're, we were so habitually addicted to? You bring up this idea of the importance that Christians often don't realize of putting themselves in a learning position in this dialogue of those with those of other faiths. And this is something that can be very uncomfortable um, and unnatural for believers to realize since we are taught to believe that the gospel is gospel truth and it can be very black and white. But what would you say is kind of the biblical premise behind actually listening and learning? and humbly approaching. Oh, gosh, what a great, what a great question. Well, well, the first thing I should say um, that, that really your, your question raises is that uh, before we can have productive dialogue with people of other faiths, uh, uh, and this is why I, I built the book around the idea of Christian identity, I think we have to deal with issues in our own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is, uh, I think because of our history, 
uh, and our, our alliance of Christian faith with the Roman Empire, that even though we Protestants broke away from Roman Catholicism, we didn't really grapple with this uh, some of these hostile consequences of, of fusion with empire. Um, because of that history, we are used to articulating our faith in a Roman imperial way, in a colonial way. And, and I don't think we can have a productive discussion as Christians with people of other faiths until we go through, through a kind of purge and a kind of transformation in our own identity uh, about this imperial hostility that we have. I talk about this a lot in the book, but I, I think you know that, that really is, is primary. It's a little bit like saying this, we've all known people who have some deep internal issues and then they date somebody and those internal issues destroy the relationship and then they date somebody else and it mm. destroys the relationship. Yeah. Sooner or later you want to say, hey look, before you date anybody else, get some counseling, you know. And and I think we have, have to do something similar. We have to deal with our deep issues. And I, you know, when I started the book, I, I this was kind of an experiment. I wondered if I were to look at our key doctrines, is there a way to see them that they don't pose they aren't, we don't throw them down as a gauntlet for argument, but rather they become a gift that we offer that can create a beautiful space for, uh, for listening and, and reconciliation. But one other thing relating to your question, uh, just the book of James would be a great place to start. And mm -hmm. in, in James, uh, uh, I believe it's chapter four, he says that the wisdom from above is peaceable and humble. So if we really want to be characterized by wisdom, uh, then wisdom is willing to listen. W wisdom doesn't presume that we define the other side, that we, we actually have to listen to them. And wisdom is humble enough to be taught. And uh, and wisdom is, is willing to admit, I don't know. I think that's so much of what Jesus means when he says to really enter and participate in the kingdom of heaven, we have to become like a child. We have to stop thinking we have everything all figured out. And you know, that's a little hard for some of us. We've got a lot of pew time <laughs> that it's all about assuming we have everything figured out. Chances are our lives all intersect with people with beliefs across the spectrum. And yes. um, we all have these opportunities in front of us uh, daily, often. So what would you say to those who might feel uneasy or hesitant about just honestly befriending those of other faiths without an agenda and without the fear of compromising their core beliefs that define who they are? Well, I think I could best answer that by telling you a story. I, I was involved uh, with a, a, a wonderful dialogue between Christians and Muslims. It was instigated by Muslims. And they said, look, we're killing each other around the world. And a group of uh, 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 over a hundred Muslim scholars came together and they said and they said based on the teaching of Jesus that we should love God with all our heart soul mind and strength and love our neighbors ourselves um, we're telling you on the basis of that teaching we would like to reach out to you to say can we talk as as neighbors because if we're going to love each other we probably ought to talk to each other and so we started getting to, uh, together and uh, and there was a Muslim scholar who said to me you know uh, I meet some Christians who are so nervous about interfaith dialogue, they, they're so careful that they, they don't want to step on anybody's toes, that they hide all their beliefs under a bushel. He said, what that does is it makes me feel nervous that I have to hide my beliefs under a bushel, you know. 
He said, what I'm looking for is someone who will say, here's what I believe and be open about it. And then in love and kindness will say, what do you believe? And let me be as forthright and open as they are. He was really asking for us to love one another as we would have others love us. Hmm. Um, and um, so that's the first thing I would say. Then the second thing I would say is if we do this, there's going to come a moment, I can just about guarantee it, where every one of us will have to make a choice. And the choice will be, do we live in fear of some of our Christian friends who we know would criticize us for being this compassionate and understanding to a Muslim or a Jew or an atheist or Buddhist or Hindu, whatever. But in other words, are we really more afraid of the critical voices from our own community so that we won't be fully present as a human being speaking to a human being, to a person of another faith? Hmm. And, and at that point, it's not Christianity that's our problem. It's our fear of, uh, of certain highly critical, and we might even say pharisaical Christians that's our problem. It's not anybody else's problem except our own. It's a problem of fear. Right. But, but when we have the courage to do what Jesus did again and again, remember that day when he was out in the sunshine in the middle of the day, and he sat down at a well and talked to a Samaritan woman. And of course, this surprised and scandalized the disciples. But he cared more about making connection with another human being who God loved than he did about being criticized even by his own disciples. We're going to need that kind of courage and commitment ourselves, especially in today's world where, as we all know, there are political forces and dark kind of psychological and sociological forces that turn some Christians into some phenomenally mean, hostile, us-them, combative people. And that's why I felt it was worth it to try to write this book. We've got, to, we've got to embody and present an alternative. That was just a small portion of a fascinating conversation. Uh, if you want to hear the entire talk with uh, Stephanie and Brian McLaren, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and you can stream it there. It's well worth it. Go listen. Stay tuned. Up next... We go inside the new issue of Relevant. Should be easier to find in moving shadows, the absence of light. Men who seem to be blind are throwing shadows here lies a man with stars in his eyes. You're listening to the fresh and only the song's presence of mind. Well, every two months, you get the treat to uh, look, you know, sit down with our editors and look a little bit behind the scenes of the new issue of Relevant Magazine. It's our gift to you, folks. And this 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 uh, month, on one hand, is no different, but on the hand, it's very different. Um, the new issue of Relevant is out now, September issue. It features politics on the cover and has a number of other notable features in it. Uh, but what's different is is this segment. Uh, Roxy Weeman, our, our uh, lead editor for the last three and a half years, is out of town. She's, she's now actually transitioned to the role of editor-at-large for us, um, which means she travels a lot more. 
And so uh, we happen to be on a travel day for her today. So she's not with us. And and as everybody, uh, podcast listeners know, Hambone left earlier this year. So replacing Hambone, the guy who kill, killed Hambone off, is our new managing editor, Tyler Huckabee. Oh, I don't want to be known as the guy who killed anyone off. Well, regardless of that's what you want to be known as, that is who you are. Okay. So you need to own it. Okay. Uh, sorry, Hambone. <laughs> Tyler. Not, but not that sorry. Yeah, not that. So, uh, Tyler, you know, uh, as you guys, you met him last week, he does all the slices on the website, but also, uh, and, the, and leads the content, uh, the whole team produces, but that includes the magazine. So he joined our team in the middle of the issue that we're about to talk about. It, it was a chaotic issue for us. It was. And, and I'll tell a little backstory of why it was Good. a chaotic issue. Good. The cover being politics. I'm going to tell you guys something that we have not said publicly, and if you hold me to it, I will deny. Yeah, this issue, uh, the cover story uh, written by Jonathan Merritt on politics and how our generation is engaging politics and should engage politics with our faith, um, was supposed to actually have an interview with the two candidates, um, Obama and Romney side by side. The White House, uh, President Obama, uh, like in 2008, agreed. Thought it'd be great to talk to young Christian voters. And just like in 2008, the Republican candidate held us at arm's length and said, no. Uh, It's crazy uh, on one hand, but on the other hand, you kind of understand it. Uh, McCain, his situation was not wanting to be in with the religious right. You know, he, he figured I'm the Republican candidate going up against this crazy liberal. I've got the evangelical vote in my pocket. I don't need to bring up faith issues because that wasn't his thing. He wasn't a traditional Christian candidate, you know. So he wanted to keep the religious right at arm's length so he could be more center. Romney, likewise, has the same assumption. I, this, is my, this is me, Cameron Strang, the personal opinion in hindsight, that he has the same context. Well, I've got the Christian vote. I don't need to make religion or the issues of the religious community an issue because I've already got them. What I would like to focus on is my strengths, which is economics and other things. I don't want to make my religion or religion in general a focus of my campaign. So uh, his campaign um, all the way up to the top, 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 top guy was saying they were interested for a long time and then just went dark on us. And we ended up uh, making the decision before we went to print um, that if we couldn't have both candidates in the issue, we wouldn't do either. I didn't want the magazine to look imbalanced. I didn't want to have only President Obama in the issue um, uh, and, and look partisan, which is not our heart at all. What's interesting about our political balance and, and, and the thing that we work very hard to protect is uh, in a recent demographic survey of our readers, we asked where you, what they thought of uh, relevant politically. 11% said we were too liberal. 11% said we were too conservative. And the remaining 78% said we were dead even and we were balanced. That's something we protect. And, um, and uh, our decision with this issue goes case in point. So uh, instead of having a side-by-side uh, interview with both candidates, we decided to run a side-by-side where they stand on the issues that matter to our generation. We were able to pretty easily, well, with, with research, find 
uh, where they stood on all the things pu- publicly that that you know we felt was worth shining the spotlight on. So that's part of the issue. But the larger issue that Jonathan Merritt str- uh, grapples with is how should we engage politics differently than the generations that have come before us? And he really tackled the apathy and the disillusionment as well, which I think is something that that sort of come and gone. We all remember four years ago when there was this big resurgence of interest in politics, uh, owing mostly to the fire brought on by Obama's campaign, and that has since sort of dwindled and, and fizzled out. And so I thought Jonathan did a really nice job of tackling that head on, not only where it's coming from, but what to do with it, and, and sort of what to do in spite of it. We can't really fix our apathy, but we can fix our how we continue to engage politics in spite of it. It ended up being really interesting. And I think the why bother headline, which isn't a question, we're not saying why should we bother, it's a statement. And well, it's both. I mean, really, it's both. I, I, I think the head, if you haven't seen the cover, you can over at, at our website. Uh, there's this very bold, you know, it's the two candidates' faces, you know, kind of abstract design and a very bold why bother with no punctuation. Because it really is both a question, why should sure. we bother, and sure. a directive of this is why we should bother. It, it, because we come from the question, uh, question mark, and we end on a period. And, and I think that that's actually a nuance that's important. Other stuff in the issue. Um, I'm seeing this stuff uh, like on, on Twitter already, you know, the stuff people are talking about. Uh, obviously, this last week, a couple days ago, Lecrae put out his new album, Hit, hit top titans yeah. charts and it's a it's a really solid album if you haven't listened to lecrae's new album yet then that's on you and well, we they, can't help you well people who listened to last week's podcast heard 30 seconds of it well, they should, at the beginning of it and that should have inspired hours upon hours of more listening to lecrae's new album well actually i think the reason why he hit number one was the 30 seconds at the beginning of last week's podcast i think i think so I think, I we, think you could back that up scientifically. <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the excellent article in the most recent issue of Relevant yeah, Magazine. Yeah, which, which subscribers started getting a couple weeks ago, so they got primed and ready. They were ready, they were ready to go with a, a really good interview held by a very good interviewer who, who clearly knew his stuff going into it. So, so you're the one who talked to Lecrae, I am assuming. I did, I did, I did talk to Lecrae. Um, he was very forthcoming not only about his new album, but he talks about his new role as a father. And he talked to us a little bit about this new sort of era of hip hop where it's not weird if you're a Christian in hip hop who's extremely vocal about his faith, as Lecrae is, along with a lot of the other people on Reach Records who he talks about. Didn't this was the first interview you did for us? It was. Okay. It was. Uh, Folklore, and I'm not saying that I was in the room because I wasn't. But somebody who also was on headphones, usually the people, you know, there's this person who like turns on the, I don't know, somebody in the room told me this. Maybe it was you. I don't know who it was. Somebody, I heard that you had this whole interview with Lecrae. And we were just doing it because we were interested in Lecrae. But when you were doing the interview, you didn't actually yet know that he had an album coming out in early September. Well, this interview was for the (laughs) September issue, mind you, and that we didn't. No, that it was in the, he had a new album coming out September seventh uh, or whatever, and 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 that at the end of the interview you said to him, "Hey, so is there anything else we should talk about?" And he says, "Well, this is at the end of the interview. Well, you know, I have a new album coming out in September. It it was no longer the end of the interview. <laughs> so at the midpoint of the interview, <laughs> it, it became a much longer interview." 
but the and that's and that's I mean that's good journalism. I was right I was well so I was, asked the hard questions. The, I asked the I asked the hard questions like, what do you wish I had asked you about? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a rookie mistake and one I don't expect to make again because because he had just released a very successful mixtape. Right. That's and actually that was why the most, that was the most recent thing we knew about. And that's McCray, why he kind of got booked. back on our radar. Oh, he's right. got a new mixtape, which actually is usually the indicator. That an artist is priming the pump for an album. Right. We were just speculating internally that there would probably be one late this year, maybe early next year. But this would be a good time to talk about Lecrae because he was really emerging. I mean, he had done all these like award shows and all this other stuff, and he was really getting nationally talked about. Mixtape, we call him. And it turns out. So is that <laughs> is that is that just kind of a random chance happening or is that great journalism i guess we leave that to you the reader <laughs> the listener to decide yeah. uh, also in the issue we talked to andy samberg love andy samberg uh-huh. he's he's moved on from snl so we we talked to him about that uh, we also talked to him about fatherhood uh, the changing face of christians and hip-hop oh wait that was a different article sorry <laughs> so no the, yeah we talked to andy samberg just his new chapter in his life it's it's great he has a new film coming out um it's pretty exciting and uh, nt wright has an article about what the Gospels are about. We also uh, asked Andy Samberg about N.T. Wright. We asked we ask Andy Samberg about what the Gospels are really about. N.T. <laughs> Wright wrote a fascinating piece about... Very good. Uh, and, and this is... This is I, I think when we tweeted it, or it wasn't the tweet, it was the new issue e-blast. Somebody corrected us. Uh, whoever with the little blurb oh, around yeah, N.T. Yeah, Wright yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. The headline said, what is the Gospel really about? And really what N.T. Wright wrote about was the Gospels. The Gospels. Which is very different. The four Gospels. Than the Gospel. Yeah. We know but what this, that's about. But this article is about the Gospels, right? Uh, the four Gospels. It's fascinating, and mm-hmm. he's one of our favorite we, theologians. We love N.T. Wright. Um, we talked to the XX, who are releasing, who just really, or Coexist no, comes out this, this week. week. This yeah. week. It's I think that, 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 that album is going to go over really well. This could be a big next few months for the, the XX. There's a lot more in the issue. Uh, the Drop has a spotlight some great artists. Uh, the recommends, media recommends in the back. And, and as you know, like half the magazine, more than half the magazine is Front Matter and Next and Reject Apathy. Um, some amazing content. If you want to get the new issue of Relevant, it's available at newsstands nationwide. I believe it's a featured placement in all of the Barnes & Nobles. Um, well, it's supposed to be. So if it's not at your Barnes & Nobles, ask for it because contractually they're supposed to. Um, yeah, Barnes & Nobles newsstands had some uh, airports like the Hudson News and LAX and some others. Um, you can also get it online. If you go over to relevantmagazine.com, if you register for free, you get five free views of premium articles, magazine content. You can see right away. Uh, it takes 20 seconds to register. Uh, and obviously, our subscribers get full access to everything in the magazine online for free. So you can see the uh, the flipper of the digital magazine. You could uh, read and share the articles, and you obviously have the print magazine too. If you want to subscribe, it's only fourteen ninety five. You get six issues, all the online access, four albums, and more. We'd appreciate the support. Check it out at relevantmagazine.com. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Yeah. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, feedback. listening to Deerhoof 
The song is. Sorry. Uh, the song is There's That Grin. It's from the new album, Breakup Song. It's time for feedback. Last week, we asked you 80s sitcom tattoos. It was a hard-hitting question of the week, and they responded uh, in droves. <laughs> uh, yeah, we asked you, what 80s sitcom characters would you get tattooed on your body, and what would it be like? Uh, like we got into this deep vortex of Googling ALF tattoos, and then we started finding other random TV-related tattoos that people have chosen to put on their body. We thought, hey, what would you put on your body? You went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com <laughs> and posted your replies there. You also hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Here's a few of our favorites. Well, this one is hands down my favorite because it's just written in such a way that, you know, that you know there's some backstory here. And I wish they would explain. Maybe next week they'll write in. But it's written by Daniel Lewis. And I'm assuming this is Daniel Day-Lewis right. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that wrote in. He Mil- writes milkshake. in. Milkshake. So I'm going to read this verbatim and then uh, and then wonder about it. You know, when I was your age, my mama told me not to get a tattoo of Henry Wrinkler. Well, what mama don't know won't hurt her. <gasps> he got a tattoo what? of Henry Winkler? Well, Henry Winkler. <laughs> I think, well, it's Henry Winkler. Well, it was yeah, yeah, Henry I know, Winkler, but, he, but it's written, he's older now. One, it's written Henry, Henry Winkler. So he's, and two, he, I, I don't know why he wrote it like that, but it makes me assume his mother specifically forbade him. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel? Daniel Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. You better not be getting a tattoo of Henry Winkler in there. <laughs> well, guess what, Mom? So, so, so maybe it's a tattoo of Henry Winkler, but now that he's older right. and sagging, right. he's just renamed him Henry Winkler. Yeah, maybe that's, that's why his mother you know, suggested that's not a good tattoo idea. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, if you would like to explain, please, please write in. Otherwise, just leave us to our curiosity. That's crazy. Quite a few people said uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah, um, I saw a lot of that. Um, he said, I would get a tattoo of the Ninja Turtles' heads as a tramp stamp in full color with a turtle van as a background drop. The turtle van was awesome. It was actually a Dodge Voyager. <laughs> Which you could trade <laughs> so in for MySpace. Yeah, yeah, later traded in straight up for MySpace. Mark on, on our um, podcast page said, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles forever written in black cursive on my inner wrist in Hebrew. <laughs> 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 and then one more person, uh, Rebecca, said she would get a full back tattoo um, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shell. Um, uh, the shell on the uh-huh. back. Would it have like katana blades like crossed on there? <laughs> sure. D- David Gomez says, <laughs> I would get a back tattoo of the scene in Saved by the Bell where Jesse starts to cry in Zach's arms because of her addiction to caffeine pills. <laughs> this way, I could teach my kids the dangers of caffeine pills via my back tattoo. I- I'm assuming it would say, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared (laughs) (laughs) i like that a lot um i like what john book said on the relevant podcast page and i quote well i would have the face of winnie cooper from the wonder years tattooed across my heart but i would only do this if my wife whom i love dearly happened to have been struck blind and would never see it because i'm not sure how i'd explain it well what if she gets fred savage on her heart does that make it okay (laughs) that's fair that's fair all right, that'll do it for last week's feedback. If you want to check out more, you can go see it. You know, join the conversation at the website. 
It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, we're very excited because, you know, we are relentlessly pursuing, we have our crack team pursuing uh, another epic interview with Jungle Bird. This is going to, I know, I'd heard rumor this is going to be the cover story for Reject Apathy because it is (laughs) cause-oriented. That's right. Um, And so, uh, just like back when we were, you know, lining up with Tesh, with the Tesh, we want you to tell us questions of what you want us to ask Jungle Bird. Uh, if you don't have a specific question, or even if you do, you want to add to it, uh, you could also tell us where you think, or you could offer suggestions for Jungle Bird of, of uh, stunts or things that he should appear at next. Because uh, Jesse could lob those over to him. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be pretty, this is going to be like Diane Sawyer style interview. We're both going to laugh at one point. We're both going to cry. It, this is going to be pretty epic. Assuming it happens. Right. Yeah, we actually don't know. And if, uh, if, if we don't end up getting the interview with Jungle Bird, we'll just tweet him all. We, now that we know his Twitter, we'll just tweet him all these questions. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll live tweet the interview. Yeah, we'll t- yeah. So head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or find us on Facebook. We have a, Like us on Facebook. Um, and tell us questions we should ask Jungle Bird or suggestions for Jungle Bird for what he should do next. If you want to check out the new issue of Relevant, it's available at Barnes & Noble's Nationwide and other fine newsstands. Uh, you can also see the articles on our website uh, with a free registration or subscribers get full access to everything we produce on the web. If you want to subscribe, it's only fourteen ninety five, and you get uh, four albums and all the online access and six issues, and we'd love the support. Really appreciate it. I just got kind of weirdly nervous about Jungle Bird. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're talking about people, like, tweeting questions and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, pressure's on now. It's, it's real. <laughs> that's what happened with me and John Tesh, man. It was all fun and games until it got real. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, in my head, I'm like, no, this would totally be cool. But here's the thing. I have no idea what kind of person he is either. But you know what? We're just going to have to go with it at this point. We're already in. <laughs> we're in this yeah. deep. I mean, the, there's, no, there's no backing out now. The train has left the station, man. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we got to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> got to talk to him. Before, my life before and after John Goldberg. It's going to be a book. <laughs> yeah, that's a book by Jesse Carey. It's Brian McLaren's yeah. new book, My Life Before and After Jungle Bird by Jesse Carey with Brian McLaren. Yeah. And other thoughts on postmodern Christianity. <laughs> yeah, it's very controversial. It's, you know, going to make a lot of theological waves. Mark Driscoll, let me just say, Mark Driscoll is not going to be happy about this. John Piper is going to call me out on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Farewell, Jesse. Farewell. Farewell, Jesse and Jungle Bird. <laughs> Jungle Bird. <laughs> Farewell, Jungle Bird from John Piper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Farewell, Jungle Bird. Uh, That's right. great. <laughs> Many thanks to Brian McLaren for talking to us. His new book comes out September 11th. It's called Why Did Jesus, Moses, the Buddha, and Muhammad Cross the Road? Christian Identity in a Multi-Faith World. You can find out more at brianmclaren.net. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Calvin Strang. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> Adopt me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Well, I wake up in the morning, hold my hands and pray for rain. I got a head full of ideas that are driving me insane. 
It's a shame the way she makes me scrub the floor Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. His mission is deforestation. Mine is hilarious junk on the internet. <laughs>